Welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. on vacation last week. I want to say thank you to the church for allowing us the time to be away, to relax, be with family, and to let Janet preach. I heard wonderful things uh, and read wonderful comments this week following her sermon. So thank you, Janet, for preaching last week. Start working on your next one, right? I hope you will turn to Ephesians chapter 4 and to that passage because there are some references uh, to that passage for our uh, sermon this morning. You may not realize we've been in Ephesians for several Sundays. Focusing on Christian life together as community, as church. Ephesians is addressing how we are family together. And so this Sunday's sermon passage is on the unity of the Christian body, which is so important for us and as our witness to the world. Let's pray together. We've got to open our hearts and our minds to your word. 
Let it correct us where it needs to correct us and to encourage us where we need encouraging. Remind us where we need reminding. In your name we pray. Amen. I guess it was, uh, I was in college when this happened. I remember the Los Angeles riots in 1992. You may recall Rodney King was beaten pretty badly by some police. 55 people died from those riots. 600 buildings were destroyed. It was significant. And Rodney King, during all of that, um, during a news conference, encouraged calm with this phrase that sort of became part of our American culture. Can we all get along? Can we all get along? Well, it seems rather difficult these days. That's a good question. Because we listen to the news. We pay attention to our world. There are divisions and attacks. Um, senseless violence. Negative political rhetoric back and forth. Caustic it is. So it's difficult. Can we all get along? There are family fights as well. You know in your own family. There's church drama as well. Gets into the church, which is why Ephesians was written for us. One of my mentors, a pastor, recalls one of the church meetings Two of the leaders actually got into a physical fight. A physical fight at church. Until one of them began having chest pains. Had to lie down on a pew and recover. Those are rare, I, I hope and pray. More common is what Ephesians calls divisive, destructive talk. Slander, malicious gossip. Selfishness, an unforgiving spirit. We know we should not fist fight in church, right? Rule number one, two, and three, I think. Barbara Brown Taylor says, because church people tend to think they should not fight, most of them are really bad at it. Many prefer writing long, single-spaced letters to the pastor, she says, in lieu of direct confrontation. Some sit on their grievances with pained look on their faces until internal combustion occurs and fire shoots out of their mouths while others simply vanish. Calling the church office months later to remove their names from the rolls. Now about those who use scripture as their weapon in their fight. She writes, as a general rule I would say that human beings never behave more badly toward one another than when they, they believe they are protecting God. Think about that. Human beings do not behave any worse than when they think they are protecting God. But divisive drama and meanness, that's been a part of the church, the world, our families for a long time. Which is why the writer of Ephesians addresses this by saying, don't lie, 
Don't use words that tear down or tear apart. Don't slander, don't fight, don't hold grudges. Why does he have to write that? Because it was in the church. Instead, tell the truth. Use words that are helpful to build others up. Be kind, be compassionate, forgive one another, sacrifice for one another. This is good not just for the church, but for your family and for work and for our leaders. So it's as old as the very first church we know. Doesn't mean it's okay to do these mean things. It doesn't mean only on Sundays be nice to the person next to you. It's Sunday and tomorrow you can be mean to them. Say mean things or do something bad, right? Listen to Ephesians. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, that it may benefit those who listen. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. So before we speak, let us ask, is what I'm about to say hurtful? Harmful, destructive to another person? Or is it helpful? Will it build up? And if it is hurtful or harmful, I should hold that. Or don't press enter, I guess. Find a way to speak that is Christian. Ephesians goes so far as to call hurtful, harmful, destructive talk as from the devil. From the devil. And the Christians don't do that because Christ did not do that. Aim because it makes God sad. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That comes from Isaiah 63.10 when the Israelites had been unfaithful to God. And it grieved God. So a fracture in the unity of Christian body makes God sad. Now, my son was in a production many years ago. He was five years old. The Lorax, maybe you've seen the movie, Dr. Seuss. It was with a little theater in our town. They sang a song that goes like this. Let it grow, let it grow. You can't reap what you don't sow. True? You can't grow apples if you're not planting apple seeds. Right? What is the seed we sow with the choice of words and behaviors? That depends on what we're trying to grow. If we're trying to hurt, harm, or destroy someone then we tend to sow with words that hurt, harm, destroy. But if we're trying to help and heal and build up, then we use words that help heal and build up. It's as simple as that. Farming 101. We want to grow our family, grow 
our witness, grow our church, grow our youth and children's and missions ministries and worship ministry. We want to grow and we sow words that grow. Christian counselor said a man came to counseling because he was having trouble controlling his anger. His outbursts were affecting his work and his family. So he finally decided to get some help. And the counselor asked, what would your life look like if you got rid of your anger? He was quiet for a long time and said, but if I get rid of my anger, what will I have left? So we say, when I'm angry about something, I tell my friends. Jesus says, no. Don't tell the friends. Tell the person you're angry with or at. Sometimes we tell our friends when we're angry, right? Because we're gathering the troops for war. We're getting people on our side. That's not meant for building up. That's meant for tearing down. All of us are guilty of doing these things. But if we're into healing, really wanting healing, then we talk to the person who hurt us. This is difficult. We want to win a fight? Tell our friends. We want healing? Talk to the person that hurt you. Pastor Gary Preston said a family in his church had had a really bad uh, experience with a contractor. It was, um, he says, a construction nightmare. And he said, somehow I got wrapped up in this right in the middle between these members and the contractor. He said they both used him to reinforce their side of the argument. In fact, one of the members of this family came to him and said, you know, not only have I heard that this construction company does shoddy work, but I've also heard they're unethical in the way they treat their employees. And then the construction company uh, would come to him and say the same kinds of things about the family. Back and forth, he said, eventually I realized I was caught in knowing too much about each of them and it leaked out to other people. And I was guilty of spreading things that tore people down instead of build them up. I'd said too much, he said, but we'd all learned a lesson after I admitted my mistake. Conflict like this can make a mountain out of molehills. But talking with the person that hurt us can keep it a molehill. Authors of Harvard Business School publication Primal Leadership writes this, cultivating fear and hatred of some enemy is a cheap trick, a quick and dirty way to mobilize a group toward a common goal. Cultivating fear and hatred of some enemy is a cheap trick 
to mobilizing a group for a common goal. We know that. We see that happening all the time. Don't we hear about it? So Ephesians says, don't lie, but tell the truth to your neighbor. Don't pretend to be kind to them if what we're really planning to do is tear them apart. We say we're fine sometimes, when actually that's a mask we hide behind as we're preparing our weapons of mass destruction. But if we sow truthfulness and kindness and compassion, then we reap it. Now, it doesn't say don't be angry. It says don't let your anger cause you to sin. Because we're going to get angry. Don't let anger lead to destructive talk and actions. Don't let it move you to gossip and grudges. But be kind and compassionate, he says, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. One who did no wrong sacrificed to build others up. Follow God's example. As dearly loved children, it says. Imitate God. Now, we don't know how God dresses or looks. We can't do that when we aren't God. But we imitate God by knowing how God loves and how God forgives, don't we? Mother Diane says when my son was about two years old, he watched his dad put hair gel in. We would go out, she says, and sometimes he'd put hair gel in his hair. He'd spray something. And so one day, she said, we caught him with the air freshener, spraying air freshener in his, in his hair. And she said he smelled good and, and it wasn't too harmful, so we let it go. But he was imitating his dad. She said, we also, at his changing table, had a box of baby enemas. Those little ones with a little bulb on one end and the hole at the other end. Inside there's uh, glycerin. She said, we came in one day and found five of those empty and his hair greasy and shiny and the biggest smile on his face because he thought he was imitating his dad. Ephesians says, in a way, be like that. Just imitate God. What does God do? God loves, God forgives, God saves. Parker Palmer is one of my favorite sociologists. He's a Quaker. They call themselves the Friends. He writes, when people look upon the church, when people look upon the church, it is not of first importance that they are instructed by our theology, our beliefs, altered by our ethics, but that they are moved by the quality of our life together. See how we love one another. They'll know we are Christians by our love. Cultivate that spirit of forgiveness. People are going to upset us and make us mad. Going to let us down. Our natural reaction, get even. Tell somebody else. Gather the troops. Anne Lamott writes this, forgiveness means it finally becomes unimportant that you hit back. 
She says, you're done. It doesn't necessarily mean you want to have lunch with the person. But if you keep hitting back, you stay trapped in that nightmare. If you want to change the way you feel about people, she says, you have to change the way you treat them. So, anger is inevitable. Sin is a choice. Anger is unavoidable, but striking back doesn't have to happen. If you, if you keep striking back, you get Hatfields and McCoys, right? It, it could be a Twitter war, you know, social media fight, if you would. Physical fight, words. Jesus says it's, it takes a stronger person to end the cycle. To say no. To stop it. To turn the other cheek. That's the Christian way. Uh, the powerful story, Vivian Malone, you may know it. Vivian Malone was the first gra black graduate of University of Alabama. In fact, uh, in 1963, she had to have federal troops to help her inside the university. Governor Wallace tried to prevent her from entering. But you know, later in life, he went to Dexter Baptist Church, Dexter Avenue Baptist Church there in Montgomery, and he asked the people of that church to forgive him. He asked Malone to forgive him too. She said, I already have. He said, you already have? How? And she said, because I was raised in church and I was taught in church that you forgive others. She said, I didn't think it was a choice. I thought I had to. If you're in a situation of unending argument, you can break the cycle. A situation of ceaseless fighting, break the cycle. A situation that's eating you up with bitterness and grudges, you can break the cycle. Or if you've been sowing hurtful, destructive words, you can break the cycle and be kind, compassionate, forgiving, just as God in Christ Jesus forgave you and me. Let's pray. First of all, God, thank you for forgiving us. We are not perfect. Maybe better than we used to be. And yet you forgave us. Whether we deserved it or not. There are some people we feel may not deserve our forgiveness, our kindness and compassion. But give us the courage and the strength that as you did in Christ to forgive them and to break the cycle. And so the world around us will know you because of our love and our unity in Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary the Baltimore Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. 
please like, review, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. If you have any questions, please submit them through the Anchor app. Or join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. right in our own Broadmoor Baptist Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Otherwise, I hope you have a good week.